Hey guys, Roy here, and you're listening to the Balance Mill Podcast Series. Today's episode is episode 5, and it is a dad talk. In this episode, I will be interviewing a guy named John Strait. John Strait is the proud father of a bright and energetic three-year-old girl, Camden, and a loving husband of Candace, his bride of six years. Today, John is the managing editor and writer for Operation Smile, one of the largest surgical nonprofit organizations committed to providing cleft lip and cleft palate surgeries and creating solutions to bring safe surgery to people where it's needed most around the world. He balances his family and work life with his passions for surfing, fishing, and the outdoors. Let's get into it. Over a cold El Guapo. Beer and stuff? Yeah. So, we are live now. Hey guys, here with John Strait. What's up? How you doing? Thank you for listening. (laughs) We're here for our dad talk. Um, I'm glad. Thank you, John, for being here with us. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. I don't know why I said us. It's just me, but whatever. Well, I mean, people listening count. You guys all (laughs) matter out there, so we'll include you in the conversation, even though you're not quite there yet, but it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So um, as is the custom of the dad talk, we always share a delicious beverage. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what we're drinking today? Yes. So, you know, being from Virginia Beach and the greater 757 area, uh, we have many really awesome breweries in the area but my all-time favorite local beer is this handsome man right here uh el guapo agave ipa oh yeah so this particular one i like it because um you know ipas i'm a big fan and i like many of them but i think a lot of uh the turnoff many people have is that um the hops overpower everything else and that it's that Mm -hmm. really bitter like almost nasal kind of feel yeah 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 I think the agave element in here brings that low end to it, though. It brings it back to the bottom of your tongue with the sweetness. And it's really well-balanced male, right? It's (laughs) well-balanced. And um, another thing I enjoy about IPAs is, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of a higher alcohol count, so you get more bang for your buck. And um, (laughs) I just got to give a shout-out to O'Connor for making an amazing beer because, you know, all all their other beers are great, too, but this one's definitely – my all-time favorite locally. So yeah. I've, I wanted to get it in the mix for our conversation today. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Yeah. So for those of you listening, get an IPA. It's cheaper because you're buying less because it's a higher alcohol content. <laughs> um, so, John, I've known you a few years now. Yeah. You're married to Candace, who's Carly's good friend. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, you, right now you work for Operation Smile. I know we'll get into that. But you're definitely a lot more than that. I mean, when when I first met you, you were playing in a band and you're surfing. So, kind of tell us about some of that stuff that you've done. Give us a little, maybe a little bit of a history. Ah, all music right, and cool. Surfing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll kind of work in reverse and um, talk about the things that I'm still doing, kind of for fun, mm-hmm. um, but also helping to support. Um, a brand and a local surf shop through surfing which is an amazing blessing in my life and I really appreciate um, the opportunity that I've been given by uh, Jetty Apparel Company uh, from Long Beach Island New Jersey uh, they're an absolutely amazing brand and group of people first and foremost um, 
you know, having met those guys uh, a bunch of years back uh, just reminded me of, of my own friends that I grew up here with in Virginia Beach. And to see them put their passion and energy into a project like that and see it all the way through to where it is today is, uh, well, it's humbling and it's in, in inspiring. And I think it inspired me at a really pivotal time in my life, too. Um, mm-hmm. I was, you know, didn't really understand where you know I, I could take anything in surfing or, or, or whatever like that or with music mm-hmm. even really too and those guys you know came in and showed their belief in what I was doing and that you know it could help feed their brand story and their brand expression and I was just blown away by that and um, so I want to give thanks to them for that and um, that relationship being forged over so many years um, you know, in surfing, it's something I still get to do today. I still produce content for Jetty and um, some of their brand marketing pieces and social media presence and stuff like that. Um, not quite to the rate and level that I did before. You know, of course, mm-hmm. being a new father yeah. and um, really going all in on my uh, professional career as a writer and editor, which is my really my first love in my life and my prime creative outlet that I've had since I was a little baby, too. Um Surfing is kind of like my form of self-expression, I guess, um, that athletically Mm -hmm. or recreationally or or, or something that's more like geared toward that kind of feeling, like having fun. Mm -hmm. But where I I do my best work and my biggest impact is in the writing and editing side of things. um, And that goes way back. But um, yeah, so basically I was really fortunate because uh, when I came on to the Jetty uh, team, um, it was when Instagram was brand new, and um, I was among a, a couple of guys here locally working at Surf and Adventure Company, which is the surf shop I mentioned down in Sandbridge. Um, definitely uh, swing by the shop and check them out. It's an amazing local business run by incredible people. Rob Lindauer and uh, Eric Colson down there. Rob yeah. Lindauer is the owner, and Eric Colson's the general manager, and uh, just two guys that have um, also you know supported me through employment and and just in general as, as mentors I can't say enough good things about those guys mm-hmm. and I, I have nothing but love for them for sure but uh, yeah. you were going to say something what was that? That um, I remember when you were working for Surf and Adventure Company because you took me on a paddle board a stand up paddle boarding and then a kayaking tour where, yeah. where is that Back Bay? Back Bay yeah that's yeah, right that was an dope. absolutely beautiful natural area we yeah. have here and mm-hmm. um actually live down that way. I've lived there a few different times in my life from childhood and then um, right after college with the boys and Ocean Lakes. And then now, uh, Candace and I, my wife, um, we recently bought a house there last October and kind of feels like I'm back at home down there. It's really great. Yeah, Yeah. but Back Bay is amazing. And um, the opportunities it provides for us here locally, it's really kind of a hidden treasure. Um, You've tapped into it. Oh yeah, totally. um, And that's the cool part about the shop. It's much more than just a surf shop. you know, they have uh, kayak tours, surf camps, surf lessons, stand-up paddle boarding tours, fishing tours, um, you know, anything, bike tours through Back Bay National Wildlife Refuge, which is an amazing thing to do. So, um, yeah, definitely check those guys out and, uh, you know, su- support a really radical local business run by really great people. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool, too. But, um, but yeah, yeah to di- I'll digress and, yeah. and go back. Um, so... 
me and Sean Devine, my best friend, we were um, kind of charged at the time with uh, driving, you know, social media strategy and brand marketing for them too. In addition to being managers at the place, doing tours, doing surf wow. lessons, yeah, running the retail floor, buying from our vendors, and making sure the shop was, you know, running smooth and all that. So, you know, this precedes my. Um, well, actually coincides with my time as a freelance writer for the Virginian Pilot and uh, Daily Press here locally and freelancing for a number of other uh, publications. Uh, Atlanta Journal, Constitution's mm -hmm. one, Washington really? Post is the other. Yeah, wow. yeah, I've done work for Atlanta Journal. Um, I actually was one of the reporters that staked out Michael Vick's house when he was released from prison in Hampton. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, really. You staked out his house? 12 hours. Wow. <laughs> did, you, did you see him? No. Oh, man. No. He, um, wisely, yeah. to his credit, for real, he uh, stayed in a, a different place along his route home uh, overnight to kind of avoid the circus, which, um, <sighs> looking back, um, I can respect that. Yeah. Big Pe time. People still hate that guy. Oh, yeah. They do. But um, he's done a lot of things. Yeah, he he's done a lot of things to, um, you know, make a positive difference on yeah, that front. Totally. And um, I can understand if people can't look past it, for sure, and... You know, as a journalist, um, mm -hmm. I try to uh, separate my emotion from the assignment and things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I was there doing my job. Wow. And um, didn't get a chance to uh, contribute to, like, the nut of the story or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I did my part, and it got yeah. my work got published in the Atlanta Journal. So it was pretty wow. exciting. And then um, for the Washington Post, uh, a lot of – I covered a lot of high school sporting events here in the area when their teams would come mm -hmm. down. Um, I was their go-to guy for covering stories for them. So it was pretty cool. And it happens a lot because we're in the same divisions, locally high school sports, mm -hmm. as them, like the groupings that they put high school sports in. So, yeah, that's a little other thing about myself, my education and um, career path in writing. Journalism and uh, feature writing is mm -hmm. uh, a huge part of who I am as well. So, But um, I keep getting off track with uh, what we were talking about Jenny and, and all that. What we were talking about next. surfing. Yeah. And then um, I also know you through music, and I knew you yeah. when you were in the band The Wet Boys, but right. you've also, from what I hear, because even now I'm learning so much more about you, you were in a lot more bands besides The Wet Boys. Like sure. The Virginia Beach like local music. That's right, yeah. Um, I've been in a band in some shape, form, or fashion uh, previous to Camden's birth. Um, since I was 16 years old, mm -hmm. so been through a, a ton of different bands and uh, different experiences, but you know, centered in punk and hardcore music here locally. Um, was in a really cool kind of crossover, like punk rock, pop punk, hardcore band called The Next Best Thing. Mm -hmm. That um, you know, we did pretty well locally and uh, played some really amazing shows and had the support of, of uh, the local community here, and you know. It was some of my best memories of my life and the opportunities that people afforded us locally to play amazing shows. I can't mm -hmm. thank them enough for that. And, um, you know, that that was such an amazing uh, time in my life and made some friends that I'm still friends with today, like, you know, Drew Wynn and Ronnie Dodson, my, my boys in the band, Kevin Zoldan, who's mm -hmm. out in San Diego now, uh, Ryan Hawtaw. You know, these, th these guys have remained lifelong friends of mine. And, you know, that was kind of like, senior year of high school through the first couple years of college for me personally. So those are formative years, you know, mm -hmm. and um, the more than anything, I just remember, you know, having so much fun with my friends and, and being able to play music. And it was amazing that, you know, it drew a little bit of attention, but nothing crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, kind of at the tail end of that, I joined a, a project started by Mike Ireland, who's gone on to be in bands like I'm the Avalanche, and um, you know, he's in New York now. I uh, still playing music. Um, he started a band called Revenge Therapy that is um, more straightforward hardcore, really uh, you know pissed off, <laughs> kind of like in that yeah, black flag yeah. or you know more aggressive kind of vein, which was another really amazing project too that I got to um, you know we toured the southeast and the east coast um, a fair amount. And, mm-hmm. Uh, definitely had some cool opportunities. Got to do a split seven inch um, with this band from Richmond called My War with our uh, a good friend Kevin Brown, and um, that was another band that you know was through some formative years of my life that had a huge impact and was super fun. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then after that, disbanded. You know, those were some busy years. We played a lot of shows, so kind of went back to basics and started um, kind of a more like friend-oriented band with uh, Ronnie and Drew um, and Josh Connor uh, and Kevin Zoldan and Joel Parker joined later as drummer so Drew could sing, but this band called Seahawk, that was uh, <laughs> an amazing, and another just, that's my that, that's probably musically my favorite band that I ever did. Um, more on the post-hardcore, uh, pop, punk kind of fusion mm-hmm. kind of sound. And... Um, Man, just just kind of reminded me of being a kid again, you know, like just playing with friends and having yeah. fun, and yeah. and uh, that's what punk's all about. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, we, we we definitely you know played shows and tried to make it um, as big as we could, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and but w- or whatever. But we had other priorities in life, you know. We all or most of us went to school, college, um, had serious relationships, started starting families, mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. So. I think everything worked out perfectly. It all fell into place perfectly for each of us, and I and I think, um, you know, there's something to be said for that because we we're all doing what we love, you know, or, or doing what we love. But um, also, after that band, and directly after that band was when the Wet Boys came into the picture, which was um, probably locally the most busy mm-hmm. I've ever been playing music, and a completely different vibe because everything had kind of been punk rock, yeah, oriented. Mm-hmm. And I think the Wet Boys were still punk rock. And they were definitely had a punk vibe to it, but the other element, the Americana element, yeah. the blues element, mm-hmm. the honky-tonk, you know, it, that was, I mean, I've used the word fusion a couple of times, but that was a real interesting mix and uh, yeah. an interesting mix of uh, personalities, too, at the table. 100%. 100%. I love you, Tommy. <laughs> I love but, it. But um, that band was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it musically, but we called it Swampy Tonk. So um, it was definitely in that like Hank Three, yep. Hank the Third, or you know, Coffin Cats kind of mm-hmm. weird rockabilly punk rock blues mashup. Yep. And um, good drinking music. Very much. Good so. for pounding El Guapos and so. uh, whiskey. I definitely have been hungover a couple of times after going to a Wet Boys show. See all this gray yeah. <laughs> in my beard. Yeah, I think that's where I picked it up. But um, yeah. again, you know, the friendships I made through that band, the opportunities mm-hmm. that people gave us to do that. Um, man, so cool to be able to do that was something that I like. Ne- I never imagined when I picked up a guitar or a bass when I was a kid that we'd play shows and have fun like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool looking yeah. back now. I haven't played in a couple years. Um, I jam occasionally, 
uh, with some friends, kind of improv style, but it's really loose, so it's not like, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's a project or a band or anything, and I haven't done it in a really long time, but I am still open to playing and, and enjoy to do it when I can, but like I said before, I've, I've put my focus really strongly into my work and my family, mm-hmm. and um, I, I try to stay in the water as much as I can, yeah. whether it's uh, surfing or fishing, mm-hmm. and, um, you know... I enjoy producing content and taking photos and, and telling stories. That's what I've always done. So it really pairs nicely. And yeah. uh, that actually does bring me back because producing content digitally, producing digital content, and building the Surf and Adventure Instagram um, is part of what uh, I think drew Jetty uh, into the fold for us um, and for them to uh, come on and support us and to have us help them boost their profile in our area locally mm-hmm. between here and the Outer Banks. So. I think that kind of ties everything up nicely as far as it like does. that yeah. that kind of thing goes, and that's how it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Those are like you know passions and things that I love to do as creative outlets, and you know yeah. it's competitive too. All of it is. Yeah. Music, surfing, fishing—it's all competitive because mm-hmm. um, you're challenging yourself against um, you know what could always be better, or someone, or something, or a band, or yeah. another surfer, or yourself your personal mm-hmm. progression how can you improve and be better and um i think that ties into my passion for work too because it's self-improvement and um that's what i'm always trying to seek and that that applies to fatherhood as well mm-hmm. and always learning how to become better through the journey and to learn from mistakes and learn from your experiences and try to just accumulate and build over time mm-hmm. um i think that's a common thread that um I'm I'm happy to pursue in life for sure. So is it is it safe to say that you've kind of found a way to have a job that you get to really dive deep into your passions? I've always tried. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've always aimed for that. I that's not to say that every job I've had's done that for yeah. me. I've, you know, occasionally um you do what you got to do to support your family. You do what you got to do to support yourself and mm-hmm. to, to, to make it and, and to keep building. So a pretty good example, and I'm not going to out any local company or, or speak badly sure. about anything. Yeah. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, it's on the record. It's public. Yeah. I know that. Journalism training. <laughs> but it seems like whenever I've the, – the years I've known you – your jobs have always included either writing, music, surfing, or something to do with like social media content. Yeah. So that's it. Seems that's pretty cool that you're able to have it. You've had these jobs that have been able to include your passions. Yeah, man. I mean, I uh, I just have always made it a priority mm-hmm. to do things that I love because uh, I want to be fulfilled and. Well, I want to contribute to our world and our society the best way I know how to do. And really, that's through the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what ties this all together because, I mean, music is writing. Mm -hmm. That's storytelling in a a different kind of way, but it is. Um, Surfing and all that is um, a little bit different. Like I said, that's more of an athletic avenue and, like, you know, a deep passion Mm -hmm. and, and is part of the fabric of who I am. But being able to do it and it being a sport that's gaining more and more legitimacy all the time and something that plays really well on social media, obviously, 
um, it gives me the opportunity to tell stories about it. Yeah. You know, I've taken a lot of photos of, and, and have provided a lot of, I've contributed to the body of work, so to speak, mm-hmm. yeah. overall. Cool. And um, yeah, I think that is the common thread. But, um, you know, there's nothing like uh, a baby on the way to really focus your priorities and uh, <laughs> kind of kick things into high gear because um, I was doing a lot of really cool things and really awesome personally fulfilling things and working really, really hard at a lot of different things and spreading myself really thin. And um, unfortunately, it just wasn't sustainable Mm -hmm. for me to continue in the way I was doing it. But like I said, the common thread is um, my passion for storytelling and what I can bring to the table. And I do want to influence the greater good one way or the other, whether that's inspiring people to you know, as Jetty puts it, draw your own line, mm-hmm. like to be true to yourself. Um, but also that can extend globally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, personally, just from my personal perspective, that's what I bring to the table for Operation Smile. But I'm just a really small part of what that organization does mm-hmm. and what that organization stands for. And, um, you know, Definitely standing on the shoulders of some really amazing visionary people and our co-founders, uh, Bill McGee and Kathy McGee, and what they've been able to create um, over the past 37 years. is um, I'm just continually humbled to be a part of that and um, to use what I can bring to the table to further that cause and to help it grow and to help more people who need an essential uh, surgical procedure. Yeah. Um, and so much more than that too, but yeah, uh, I think it is important. Mm-hmm. I think we do need to be true to what we can bring to the table and how we can create value in the best way. I really like that um, because you know we're living in this world. Let's try to make it better as best we can. Yeah. You know, even if it's a little thing. Um, that's awesome. Uh, why don't we go ahead and you know. We'll t- tell me about what Operation Smile is. Cool. And then we'll uh, we'll get into the fatherhood, and I'll I'll yeah. weave I'll weave it all into this. Well, that's all connected it, too. It is all connected. So yeah, yeah. that's all connected too. Because um, well, I'll give the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Um, Operation Smile is uh, one of the world's largest surgical nonprofit organizations. It's uh, based locally here in Virginia Beach and mm-hmm. has had roots here for the past thirty-seven years, but. Um, we extend uh, worldwide, globally, and low- and middle-income countries all over the world. And um, the core of the organization is providing cleft lip and cleft palate surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do that a couple different ways. Uh, we run medical programs um, that bring in and work with local volunteers mm-hmm. uh, to address you know, a lot of primary surgeries that need to happen early in life. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the case that we encounter in the places we go. So we don't discriminate based on age to provide care for people because no one deserves to live with the burden of a cleft lip or cleft palate. And that's like our charge is what mm-hmm. we believe in. Um, and I think that's you know pretty universally understood because your smile and your, your face is the first impression you have for people. Mm-hmm. And um, the stigma that exists in um, many places is – I think it would exist here if the uh, if uh, cleft wasn't um, surgery wasn't provided early in life too, because it is um, a very visual condition and it's beyond aesthetic too mm-hmm. and that perception value, 
Um, it opens up the possibility for all kinds of severe health problems, especially with pallets too. And I'm no medical expert. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've, I've, um, you know, become quite attuned to, you know, what I've learned, but I'm far from a doctor or anything like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is, um, much more than what's on the face value of it. It is a pretty serious condition that requires surgery for people to live the most healthy and fulfilling life. And, um, Beyond that, I think the most valuable thing that we bring to the table is just restoring dignity um, in our patients mm -hmm. through the surgery and improving families and communities, you know, because we're bringing more people out from living a life that's stigmatized, isolated, and bringing um, people back into, you know, the mix every day. One of the things I get asked all the time is, well, how come I don't see people with cleft in the United States as much? Like, you know. Mm -hmm. How come it seems like it's in different countries? Well, one, um, like I said, the condition is, um, you know, cleft lip and cleft palate surgeries are provided regardless of your ability to pay in this country and many other countries around the world as part of our, you know, social welfare. And a lot of people with means can do it and do do it early in life because yeah. it's a health benefit. I mean, it's, it's, it's crucial. It's essential. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of several essential surgical conditions that um, – have been identified by the WHO and other organizations that need to happen mm -hmm. timely. Like it needs yeah. to happen at a, a certain point in life. So um, I think that's the answer to the question. Um, it, it, it globally, the average is it happens in once in every 700 um, births. So mm -hmm. um, there are people all around us in your neighborhood, in your city, um, everywhere who are born with cleft lip and cleft palate. And, um, you know, you just might not notice it as much because, you know, incredibly talented surgeons, revisions, follow-up surgeries over the years, mm -hmm. things like that, speech therapy, other forms of therapy like that to where um, it's just not as noticeable as mm -hmm. when you go to a place like Ghana. For example, I've worked there um, three, uh, gone three separate times over the past year and a half. And um, that was the first time I saw uh, somebody with a, a cleft lip that was unrepaired, you know, older mm -hmm. um, or period. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh immediately it, it resonates and you know um this is worth doing and, and we're doing something really really important to improve lives that's what it's all yeah. about yeah it's interesting um because I've, I've worked with kids since in some form or fashion since 2000 let me go ahead and hand me another one of those yeah things. oh and uh listen to this <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Cheers, and man. yeah cheers. no Once worries again. um but yeah so in some form of fashion f since 2000 be it summer camps daycares uh and teaching and every every avenue i've ever been in i've always seen at least one or two kids that have had the surgeries yeah or about to have the surgeries wow. and i even had a kid uh in my lap not the school i work at now but my last school i'll never forget um because he was going, he had a couple of surgeries he had to do. He had a cleft palate. Mm -hmm. um, he was going to some of the, he was doing the, maybe the palate. He had to go back for his. There's, his, I mean, you could potentially have nine, 10, 12 yeah. surgeries. I mean, really, yeah. just a, it's, it's a spectral condition. So, like, every single mm -hmm. person's going to have mm -hmm. a present differently and need a different yeah. set of care. So, yeah, not surprised to hear that at all. But I'll just, I just remember him talking about Operation Smile. And seeing seeing an eight year old, yeah, like he was like holding back tears talking about that. Wow, because he knew like the stigma it had at yeah. eight, 
at eight years old and he was seeing and all the benefits he's had here and knowing that there's kids that are like in other countries that don't have that or adults i mean it, it was just it was really cool to see a kid get something that you didn't expect him getting you know yeah absolutely i mean that's an enlightened perspective for yeah. sure and i think that's what i've learned a lot about um learning about stories of young people in this country mm-hmm. who have um had to go through these surgeries and and, and just so brave and so have so much perseverance mm-hmm. and such a mature perspective at such a young age um it's just floors you yeah it does it does and thanks for sharing that yeah that's no worries, really man. cool um we've always been a part of our organization we've always tried to champion the youth and empower youth leaders like down to the mm-hmm. age of eight or however young to be advocates and to stand up and, and, and to talk about it because you're right it's it you know and as an editor mm-hmm. and in my role you know we've always tried to well i've always tried to really honor the courage and bravery and perseverance of patients and their families mm-hmm. in our stories whether it's here or in any of the countries that we work in so um you know just trying to draw into those common threads and to understand that, um, you know, by digging deep or not even really digging deep, I think just like looking within ourselves, mm-hmm. we can see that we have the ability to make an impact and to help. Mm-hmm. Um, the need is so great in this world. It's unbelievable. And um, yeah. like you said, we can we can all do a small part to, to help make it a better place. And mm, there's, you know, I'm obviously biased. But it's one of the best um, investments that we can make for, uh, you know, families and, and, and people in, in places that are doing everything they can to provide mm-hmm. the care that their kids deserve. They just, just need some help. Yeah. They need help to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just so glad to, to be a part of that force for good, you know. Yeah. So shout out yeah. Operation Smile. It's a worthy yeah. cause. It's a worthy organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's uh, – <laughs> Man, that was a 30-minute intro. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good thing it's digital. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so let's get into the kind of the purpose of this. Yeah. So, so you're a dad. I am. And how many kids do you have? I have one. Yeah. I have one, Camden Grace Strite. My little baby girl. Um, I still call her a little baby, but she's getting older. She's, she calls herself a big kid now. Yeah, um, she did she calls left. me dad. To not daddy or dada, it's just dad. Wow, it was always dad. <laughs> not always. I mean, she still says daddy sometimes, but it's primarily dad. It's dad. What was it like the first? <laughs> what was it like the first time she called you dad? Uh, we laughed. Really? We laughed because it's funny. Yeah. It's funny to hear a sweet little like. I mean, it's a babyish kind of voice call you like what I call my dad. Yeah. And it's like dad. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> it's just only, it was a, well, you know. I think that's another part of being a dad. Expect the unexpected because yeah. you're gonna get it. Yeah, of course. Um, but oh, but she's an amazing kid, and ah, man, I'm I'm so lucky to be your dad. It's unbelievable. I just like thank God every day. I really do. Nice. It's just like the most incredible blessing. I, yeah. And and where did you come up with the name Camden? Oh God. <laughs> well, it's amazing because uh, this is a shout out to Candace for being the most rad wife ever. But um, I'm a huge Orioles fan. Baltimore yeah. Orioles baseball. Yeah. Totally. Um, for life, for sure. And uh, Camden Yards is the home park for the Orioles. Um, as we record this on uh, 
in July 2019. They're last place in the MLB. It's not, not just in the AL East, not just in the AL, but the entire major league. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it comes and goes. It does. It's ebb and flows. We were just in it a few years ago. Yeah. You know? We, we made the playoffs for the first time, actually, right before me and Candace got married. So that was pretty cool. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's actually a funny story because, um, you know, being a guy, I mean, I guess I hadn't put too much crazy thought into, like, what my child's name would be. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I can't speak for every everybody. I know I just made a generalization just then, but I just never really sat around and thought about it. Mm-hmm. And um, but that 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 name, like Camden, the name of the park and just the name itself. I mean, I think it, it it's it's a really cool sounding name, and it has a deep uh, resonant family history for me as we've been going to games since we were little. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad and uh, aunt and uncle and cousin and sister. Uh, we, uh, you know, we really bonded over it over the years, and we love the Orioles and love Baltimore, love the Inner Harbor. Um, some of my best memories in life have been made there, formative memories yeah. in my life that we'll get to later in this interview too. Um, but just you know, being a part of something bigger than, and being a part of you know, cheering for the home team, so to speak. Because back then there were no Washington Nationals, mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, we had the Orioles on TV here too, so it was and local that team. Was it. That was it. That was it. And uh, my cousin uh, lived in Frederick, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Grant White, so uh, yeah, another one of my best friends too, uh, now in San Diego. But still, at that time, he was in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, so we had close proximity to the park. So it was just you know really cool. Nice. Uh, so that's like you know when I suggested it to Candace though that <laughs> I <laughs> I had I thought it would be like not dismissed but just like really. Yeah, yeah. A sports name? <laughs> no way, right? Yeah. Well, the first thing she said, and it blew me away. The first thing she said to me was, oh, that I always wanted to name my kid that. And what's cool is that it's got crossover Whoa. potential. Yeah. So yeah, isn't been, that cool? It, it could have been a boy. Could have been a boy, and Boy's Camden would have been cool too. Man. And we still call her Cam anyway. Wow. So it's funny. But it is one of those, like, you know, it goes with things like Kelly, Kelly Slater, yeah. Kelly Clarkson, mm-hmm. whatever. You have, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the middle name was flexible, that we were going to direct yeah. it. So Grace is the girl. Mm-hmm. James, my dad's name, it would have been the middle name. Wow. So uh, pretty cool. But that was really kind of one of those serendipitous moments, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah. I think that really, that was a really bonding thing for us. That's me cool. And yeah. And names are real intense. I, re- I remember, I like, so. you, like, we didn't tell any. Well, let me say, we tried not to tell anyone. I didn't know. I told three people by accident. <laughs> like, I was, okay. t- I was terrible uh, with this secret. I, don't beat yourself up, I'm man. so sorry, Carly. Because um, <laughs> we named our kid Jasper. Oh, my God. And uh, that was just a name. I just thought it was a dope name. It is and cool. I, I've never really agonized over what to name my son right see i just yeah. i was like but then i thought about jasper i was like that's cool and so we just went with that but yeah. like people really like think about like i've met i've met women who had a list of 150 names oh my gosh and it's like a yeah. big thing yeah and then like so but you guys said what did you say the name before she was born yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean we did. we the, the cat was out of the bag yeah. from the get-go and we were excited about mm-hmm. it and, and like I said, I think the fact that we both like were enthusiastic about it and had uh, pictured it yeah. for 
her. Yeah. As it ended up being her. Um, as she ended up being, I should say, is uh, I think we were just really excited about it. And, That's and like cool. I said, we bonded on that. And it was really cool because I didn't expect it. I, yeah. I expected clapback for sure. <laughs> No clap back on this. No, it was cool, man. It was cool. So, yeah. Camden, if you listen to this someday, um, (laughs) just don't be a Red Sox or Yankees fan. Have you taken her to a game yet? Not yet. Tides games. Oh, man. Tides games. That's going to be a big deal. Well, here, Baltimore Orioles leadership, if you're listening right now, you guys got to tighten it up so I can bring my daughter up to see a winner. Yes. (laughs) So, Until Um, then, it's going to be the Tides. Yeah, well, at least you're not a Hawks. I'm just kidding. At least it's, you're not the Hawks. I mean, they're constantly going through it. But anyway, well, I digress. ATL. I digress. I digress. Um, we know how it is, man. So, so what was what was Canem's verse story like? Yeah, well, you know, we had a uh, a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. We did. We did. It was uh, more challenging than I could have ever imagined. To be honest with mm-hmm. you. Uh, going in so let me back up a little bit we had a really um, uneventful pregnancy really mm-hmm. um, and that's not to take anything away from the experience of pregnancy and what Candace had mm-hmm. to experience day in and day out but I, I'm talking like oh, from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. health perspective mm-hmm. of Camden perfect customer yeah. but up until the very end I would say because um, she was diagnosed by our OBGYN uh, as an interutero growth restriction. I think I'm saying that right. But interutero growth restriction. So she wasn't growing in there. And we come to learn that that's common for a lot of first-time moms. Mm-hmm. So nothing out of the ordinary, but she was just very tiny um, at a late stage of pregnancy, to mm-hmm. put it crude, simply. And that's my understanding. I don't, like, I, like I said, I'm no medical professional, so I don't really know. Yeah. But um, that's my understanding. And um, so, you know, we followed the advice of our doctors and, and, and what needs to happen. And they suggest to us that we should go in and be induced to move it along because the rationale was that, well, she's not really growing in there. So it's not really a safe place to be if she's not growing and it's time for her to come. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we both took the advice wholeheartedly and, and, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. So we're at, um, Sintera, Virginia beach, uh, no, Sintera princess Anne in Virginia beach. Um, Virginia beach generals where they used to have the ba- uh, used yeah. to have the maternity ward here in Virginia beach. That's where I was born as well. Um, but over at, they call it the spa, Sintera mm-hmm. princess Anne SPA. Um, and yeah, so we get in and you know, Right, right away, you know, th- things just weren't quite going quite right from, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So um, Candace is induced and then immediately goes into labor. Like, immediately. Wow. Like, she didn't even have time to text like, her mom or something, you know? Oh, and backstory, her mom was a maternity ward nurse for years and years back in the day. Too. So she's induced and then literally goes right into labor. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Long labor, very long labor, very slow progress. But that's how it goes when you're induced because it's, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say the right thing, Pitocin? Yeah, Pitocin's what they get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, right, very medical. Um, 
I'm trying to make sure I get the facts right, so but I'm not gonna try to get into too much detail, so I can no, kind fine. of keep that from being a thing, you know. But this is my understanding, and granted, this was like the toughest like 36 or 28 hour period of my life, you know, to this point, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Um, but really, the first the first few uh, <laughs> um, hours of it were you know it would come and go and stuff, and and, and Candace was open minded to doing. Um, you know, that said, I mean, we, we induced, but she was open to the idea of doing it without um, an epidural and, mm-hmm. and, and, and doing it as naturally as we possibly could mm-hmm. in the hospital setting, yeah. that is. Um, and um, that ended up going a- out of the table because, I mean, it's incredibly painful. I mean, it, it's I, I can't even imagine the endurance and the, the kind of um, – I want to say the I want to find the right words to describe it, but it is perseverance. Mm-hmm. I think I, as an editor, I try to avoid words I just used. But. No, it's fine. <laughs> perseverance, strength, yeah. going through it. It is yeah. what it is, man. Yeah. But everyone's got a different pain threshold and what they can take. And uh, you know, I, I think that you know she made. I mean, we. I, I think we made the the best decision for us and our family every step of the way. But unfortunately, uh, about the middle part of the process. Um, her epidural came out, so that wow. was a little interesting. Yeah, so that wasn't cool. Um, very painful experience. So she got it put back in though, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. And then things, you know, she gets to a point where you know no progress is really being made, but she's pushing very intensely. And this is many, many hours later. Mm-hmm. I can't even put into perspective how long this feels. To, to me, and I really can't put into perspective how long and how arduous this would be for her. Um, I love you, Candace. But um, anyway, oh my goodness. So, you know, we get down to what we end up learning is toward the end of this <laughs> birth process. And, uh, you know, it's obvious that she's pushing really hard and really intensely and that no progress is being made. Like I'm, I mean, I'm there, I'm present, I'm looking, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like full on mm-hmm. next to her through this thing. And I knew intuitively that something's not going good here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but our, um, the, the doctor that was on shift at that time kept reassuring us that, yeah, it's fine. Everything's cool. But the nurses were like, she's doing great. Everything's fine. And then there's a shift change, and then the next doctor comes on. Oh, I won't say her name, but she's like a legend to, in my mind at this point because she comes in decisive, direct, and to the point and is like, this baby's coming out right now, right now, but we're, but you are past the point of C-section. So there you have it. Wow. Yeah, so we ended up – oh, and obviously it's because her life is in danger because – her O2 levels are dropping every time you push, and it's essentially, you know, a very dire situation at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Not to the point where we, we thought that, well, potentially, did, we you never know, but we didn't think that she would have like brain damage or anything. But it was like it's time to get her out before that becomes a possibility. Mm-hmm. Super scary. I mean, yeah. and this all happens in like 15 minutes. So like yeah. you get, we're going like over 24 hours into this little 15 minute intense zone here. So. Um, end up doing the vacuum method and fortunately for us 
she was born healthy and everything was cool but when she came out i I mean this is all normal she didn't breathe for a a minute but we're freaking out because of the dramatic nature of the situation yeah but she was fine i mean i looked at the faces of the medical professionals in the room and tried to gauge how i should feel based on how they looked and their facial expression Mm -hmm. again another interview technique and uh they all were very calm and very uh they, they, they yeah. were very level and very in the moment and didn't panic, didn't show any sort of – so that eased me enough to like – my mom and my um, mother-in-law were in the room too and Candace, and everyone's freaking out. And it's super scary. I'm scared too. Of course. I sent up the most genuine prayers of my life in that moment too. And I'm not even a super ultra-religious guy or anything, but, you know, I did. And yeah, it was all good, and um, it ended up it ended up working out um, in the end because I think that decision was made at the right time. Um, I think it could have been made earlier. I think we could have had. I don't know what happened, and I'm gonna let bygones be bygones with it too because yeah. it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this is, and it, it's. Um, I'm just grateful that the the doctor that came on who had her responsibility in that time made that decision because now. Camden's here with yeah. us, and she's doing good. She's doing really good. And um, another crazy thing that piggybacks on this is that she was also born with a very intense uh, indention in the side of her head, too. But um, as we've learned as new dads, too, yeah. the body does some pretty incredible things to get out, mm-hmm. to be able to get out. But I think that was from her uh, being positioned with, like, I- I'm uh, for guys on the podcast, I'm making a fist and doing fetal position so like her hands oh, up okay. here yeah. and her skull just kind of grew around the side of her wow. hand yeah, yeah no yeah, big yeah, deal yeah, but yeah. you know we went and saw a craniofacial specialist at chkd again another shout out we mm-hmm. have access to that care um here in virginia um which is also incredible that we were able to get peace of mind at a very early stage of the game and everything was fine good so yeah. that's the story that's the story it was um it was traumatic it was traumatic. That's how I describe it. Yeah, of but course. But joyous and amazing too. But that joy kind of sunk in um, a little bit later on after the birth. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because you, you know, you're in it for so long. You know, and I love that you. It's unbelievable. I love that you use the word subjective. It is subjective because a lot of times we look at things objectively. And we like to, you know, we, we like to say like, no, my way was the right way. Right. But every story is different. Yeah. You know, look and at the difference in approach between those two doctors. Yeah. And that doctor came on. She made a had, decision like that. Dude. Yeah. And amazing. And now three years later, yeah. you have Camden. It's all good. It is all yeah. good. It ended up being great. Yeah. It ended up being great. Yeah. And I think with, for the purposes of this podcast and, you know, what I what I want to contribute to it is just like 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 I said earlier, you know, the unexpected is around every corner. And yeah. You never know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and you know, I was just so glad to see that sense of commitment and decisiveness in that moment, and mm-hmm. it got the job done for sure. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, unreal, unreal. It's, and I think the only thing I think that's that's true for every birth that I've 
with my with you know with my sons mm -hmm. is that it's a lot of hurry up and wait sure and then all of a sudden it's happening and I you think that's a common thread <laughs> you just gotta hold on you know and like it's gonna happen oh my gosh like yeah. i mean that's the only thing that i can you know compare it's like you know it's a lot of waiting and then all of a sudden in like split second there's this kid here yeah you know and my kid you know he showed up with a cone yeah you it told me cone. you told me <laughs> i kept asking yeah. the midwives like is this okay time. yeah and one of the guys in the room that was evaluating Camden when she was born said like, oh yeah, uh, it wasn't like, oh yeah, it wasn't casual like this, but like I was listening mm -hmm. and it was, um, you know, I've never, something to the effect in a medical way of saying, I haven't seen an indention like this before. And this <laughs> oh, is a person whose job it is to deliver <laughs> babies. And I'm like, that's what? potentially not good. Yeah. But yeah, it was, thanks. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, thanks guy. Dude, thanks for saying that. Can't, and like, but I think it being the, it being in the yeah. head region yeah. scares you more. Oh yeah. Because it's like the brain, right? And, totally. and like everything that goes along with yeah. the brain and you don't know, like, are we going to have to cope with the serious difference? Um, you know, or she does more than us. I mean, I'm speaking selfishly by saying that I'm reflecting on my experience, but like yeah. for Camden, is she going to have to live with something Yeah. that could potentially, um, you know, she have to live with forever um and we were so fortunate that that wasn't the case yeah and she's super intelligent and smart i mean she blows us away she this, blows us away dude and she doesn't have it anymore does no she? no not yeah. at all i don't even i forget what side it was on his i know his head was a different shape yeah the, the next, next day. day yeah next day like what the fuck i <laughs> i think i've said that oh, the entire God. time it's trip man it it's a trip, trip man it's it's it is. Uh, how humbling is it? Uh, it's extremely humbling. I know maybe you can relate to this, but I remember feeling like, you know, because as a guy, we want to like protect, yeah, fix, you know, step Provide. in, and then. But in this moment, in these moments, especially birth, the only thing we can do is just sit there, say Basically. you got this, mm -hmm. and let everyone else do the work. Encourage and observe. Man, it's uh nothing more humble than that and it's the most it's the most god i guess it is the most invested you can ever be in something that you can't do anything about boom isn't it yeah because you can't you can't i could not not be present the entire time oh yeah 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 i mean that's just how we're wired I mean, yeah. we're gonna be Guys like us are going to be, yeah. you know, uh -huh. we, we, this is how we are. We're going to yeah. be, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, you're right. It, it, it comes down to a completely different set of uh, circumstances, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I had, I had to let go yeah, and just trust. Yeah. And I mean, you know, women, once you, I think once I witnessed my wife giving birth, Man. I found a newfound respect. For oh my her. God. Yeah. Jeez. You saw how. There was a point in the story where, right before I got into the super dramatic part, I just said, I love you to my wife through the speaker because yeah. you know, I'm assuming she'll listen to it. Um, yeah. Or to anybody, any guy um, who's either about to go through this or has gone through this, mm -hmm. or hey, let's be sensitive to guys that have gone through this and it didn't work out very well. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's the nature of what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. That's the seriousness of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what that, those are the stakes. Yeah, I, it's I'm, unbelievable, man. It's I've unbelievable. never been 
more present of the intensity and the magnitude of some what was about to happen. Yeah, I mean, I there's no there's no um, height yeah. to the level of respect and admiration I have for mm-hmm. for Candace for going through what she had to go through mm-hmm. to do that and and for what I mean lack of a better word for what was delivered on the other side of yeah. a, a human life and, and ours, like yeah. our baby, yeah. you know, I mean, she's not ours, but like she's the world's or whatever, but she's, she's our baby. She's man. your baby. She's yeah. our baby. Yeah. Those are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the story, man. And um, thanks for reflecting on it with me, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, um, you know, looking back at it, it, it definitely um, galvanized Candace and I. Good. Yeah. in a positive way and um you know we're so grateful yeah and and really really glad that um like i said the decision was made at the time it was and that mm-hmm. we have a healthy happy precocious energetic mm-hmm. uh child to yeah. love and raise now that's awesome yeah um do you remember or has your parents told you about your birth story um i think mine was uh kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum but really? i do have some recollection of it yeah. and, I'll, and i'll paraphrase too yeah sure um my understanding um mom and dad if, if you're listening you know you can't really offer a correction via this medium so mm-hmm. this is my understanding um <laughs> i will back up and say my other understanding is i'm, I'm gonna scale back claims i've made in the past too just to you know cover the editor in me. Yeah, totally. But I may have been conceived about a block away from where I'm having this interview right yep, now. Yeah, totally. Ocean Park roots. Woo woo. Get with it. Ocean Park. Oh, he's got the hat. It's in <laughs> Jurassic Park font. It's in Jurassic Park font, which is also a major life event for me. But yeah. anyway, um, and my mom grew up in Ocean Park too, yeah. and um, Candace grew up in this neighborhood too oh, in Carly. Yeah. And uh, so it's a special place. And I, I feel like it's a, a really cool place to have this conversation. Um, on a deep, deep personal level, um, I learned how to swim right out here in the bay. Yeah. Um, learned how to fish out here in the bay. Learned how to ride waves out there, right out there, on that nice. beach. So a lot of cool things. It's a special place. It is a, a really great. It's a really wonderful neighborhood. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, anyone local who's able to come um, check it out do, and those who can't, um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a it's a cool cool spot. But anyway, um, about my, my birth story, my birth story. Um, yeah, again, hospital style, um, Virginia Beach General. My mom, I don't think my mom labored for very long. And my, the family legend is that on the final push, I came out like a rocket and <laughs> the doctor caught me. Really? Caught me and said, well, this might, I think this is family legend okay. and embellishment. Like my dad just having a, you yeah. know, cracking me a little bit. But, yeah. oh, yeah, the doctor said, you're lucky I played wide receiver in high school or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> lucky I had good hands or, like, I was a catcher. You know, something, yeah, yeah, something yeah, along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> but I, I came out like, bang, Man. easy. So the opposite. Opposite story. No, no, nothing to report there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, born into – I mean, I would never dial back the parents I have and have today um, and the relationship that they've built with me and that we've maintained yeah. since I was born, man. 
I, world's best parents because I put it on the I put it on the uh, coffee mug all day. Well, um, Love them. tell me about your dad. Yeah, man, dad's cool. Yeah. Uh, Bart Strite, James Barton Strite. Nice. Yeah. So dad's cool. I love dad. My dad owns a local um, to Virginia Beach area of um, interior trim carpentry business called Paragon Construction, specializing in, in new construction interior trim. And um, so that work ethic was just present mm-hmm. from the get-go. Uh, he started the business, I think, and I want to say it was just before I was born. So like, you know, like I said, a new baby coming can focus you in some in, in, in a new way. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's pretty cool that I was, I, I think, part of that development for him, too. I mean, he might have a different uh, take on it. But, I mean, just anecdotally reflecting on it, I mean, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the business still exists today, all these years later. And, and um, he's really built um, a successful business uh, doing what he loves, which is working with his hands and being out, not outside, but just being you know, he, he never could picture himself doing what I do most of the most days, which is, you know, writing. And, like, that, that requires sitting behind a computer and writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mix it up and try to keep it balanced by the things I do outdoors and, 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 and all that. Uh, that's how I strike my balance. But for him, um, it was never in the cards to, to, to do something like that. So really cool. I got to work with him as a, a teenager in or early 20s in, um, you know, in his industry locally here. And it wasn't really for me. We, we clashed a little bit on the job site and stuff. Of course, yeah. Um, probably because I was a brat, young kid. Probably, you know, as, no. as, a, as a younger teen, yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was a, a little more entitled than, I, than I've grown to be um, as a man. Yeah, uh-huh. But, um, and, and I, I can own that. For sure, but um, yeah, what it, it, an incredible example of what it is to be a hardworking person for your family and to provide and and, and to um, just be rock solid and be pre- and just be steady presence, mm-hmm. but while also teaching us how to cut loose and have fun. I mean, he showed me everything about the ocean and, and everything about loving the outdoors and and loving your family and being present. Um. And like I said, I mean, not to say we didn't have our ups and downs over the way. We, we've had it out plenty of times, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's inevitable and going to happen, but um, I think a lot of it is just the growing pains of maturity mm-hmm. and growing up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love my dad. I, I, I love him so much, and I appreciate everything he's done for me. Um, yeah, an amazing man inspirational man i try to emulate him as a father the best i can and do it my way though yeah and like build on my observations my the subjectivity of it right like try to build mm-hmm. on how i think i can not not improve on it because i think he did a perfect job as far as you know perfection is impossible but i'm saying like he he was a model yeah you know for me and yeah incredible dad Cool. Yeah. And so you take a, so is it safe to say you take a lot of the things he's done and try to implement them in your life as a father? <laughs> I find myself uh, saying things to Camden that you know. I mean, it's a pretty stereotypical dad yeah. thing or whatever. But totally. you're kind of like, oh my god, I'm, I I just like totally said something my dad would say to me or whatever, <laughs> or like understanding like when I when she wants to do something that's whack and unless she shouldn't be doing it can hurt herself or like whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm saying like. 
I'm yeah. doing this because I love you I or whatever. See, it's <laughs> it's so funny. You say like it's cool. You say things that you you know you're saying things that Cam that your dad said to me. You know, I've been a teacher for like five years, and I've said things to them yeah. that my dad said. <laughs> and then it's just it's it's so funny. You'll say them to Jasper. And I'm gonna too, say them to Jasper. Oh my god. It's a constant just oh my gosh, here I am at yeah. this point. But I think from a overarching thematic standpoint, like big picture standpoint, man, if if I can be the the stable, loving um, supportive and open-minded figure that he's been for me through my life and totally accepting of all of my quirks and all of my passions and the things that I picked up on and mm-hmm. fully supportive of all of that. That's what I want to bring Good. to the table. Nice. Nothing like, you know, discipline wise or like, you know, any of the little mechanical things that we do every day, but just the big picture of being, you know that solid figure that consistent figure and and just doing it with tons of love and understanding is um how i can honor him cool and how i want to honor him cool man thank you for sharing that too yeah, man no worries um happy to yeah so what's been the funniest thing about being a dad oh there's a lot <laughs> me and candace laugh a lot i mean we <laughs> I try to find the humor in things, yeah. you know, because, like, this world's pretty gnarly, and, you know, you, you can get drawn into a pretty negative cycle if you choose to. Yeah. So, like, I try to look for the lighter moments and things and, mm-hmm. and, and try to be present in those moments, too, and enjoy them for what they are, right? So, like, the funniest thing is just so far, because I'm only three years in, too, yeah. so I'm by far, like, there's a lot in the future, um, but I think the funniest thing is just kicking it with Candace and having a laugh about something silly or cute that um, Camden has said or did, mm-hmm. or like laughing over the fact that like our kids' bowel movements are like the like front page news of our lives now, and like yes. literally rock our Jeez. like it's literally like the most important thing we can talk about or like oh and, my and, and, gosh. like. It's funny because it's all business for like yeah. you're like really in the mix, and then like every once in a while I'll just crack Candace and be like, "Oh yeah, listen to what we're talking about now," <laughs> and it's like poop. It's it poop. Oh. Poop and pee. I'm I mean, it's not, poop. I'm I'm sixteen days in. Yeah. And yeah. I I Ooh, have not I have not talked. I've never talked this much about poop and pee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is. It is. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll shout out to Jasper. But uh, he's crushing it. He, uh, I think I can say this. He peed the other day, and the stream was six feet long. <laughs> Strong. Yeah. Dad see, loves that. But see, that's, that's crazy. a testament to dad. Yeah, that's uh, genetic, man. Yes. <laughs> but at one point in our lives, neither of us talked about stuff like that. No. No, and but that's part of what comes along with yeah. da- being a dad, man. Like yeah. the, the change, man. The cha- the the lifestyle change, and, and and I think that's why it's important to have a laugh with it mm-hmm. with your, your your partner, whoever you're going through this journey with. Yeah, totally. Or or, or even mm-hmm. if you're a single dad, and, and and this is something you have to face, you know, more alone. You're not really alone. You can still mm-hmm. reflect on this with friends, family, anybody, and just try to you know take it for what it is. Like 
have a light moment about it and, and have a laugh because it is funny. Yeah. It is funny that we're sitting here talking. I mean, we're doing it right now. <laughs> we're talking about poop and pee. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it's know. real stuff. It it's is. It's real stuff because, I mean, that's directly tied to their health and well-being. Because if they're so, not I mean, pooping and peeing. Oh, that's, that's, that's awful. Yeah, it's that's terrible. Awful. It's is terrible. that thing supposed to do that? Okay, I there did. we go. I did it. Yeah, cool. Good. Um, Good. The, the screen went black. Uh, it's a screensaver situation. Don't worry. Yeah. We're okay. We're okay. Um, it didn't stop recording. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. that's funny, and I think yeah, yeah, yeah just just in, in enjoying those moments and having yeah. a laugh about it is is, is cool, and and like you know, and, and um, I heard you say on your your uh, podcast with Marco too. Um, I, I can't wait for him to talk so I can know what he needs. Yeah, because because there is no yeah. language now. It's 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 crying and, and like mm -hmm. facial expressions and like body movements, maybe maybe a bodily function or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about farts too, yeah. but um. Or whatever burps, yeah. burps. That's burps another one. Farts. That's another one. It's all the stuff you used to laugh about when you were a kid. It's funny because your parents were making fun of you. It's it's all. <laughs> I think that's got to be what it was. It is. That's why it's funny. That's why I it's funny when you're an adult. Maybe it's subconsciously we heard our parents laugh about it, and Ooh. so now because when he farts, especially when he farts when Carly's holding him, yeah. I I just lose it. Got to. It's just like <laughs> he's farting on her. It's like I mean, it's look, a funny thing. That's the other side of it, though, man. Because like it's so it can be. I'm not, and I don't want to make any blanket statements, but I mean, let's face it. It's stressful. It taxes yes, you. It's so much. Um, there's an immense amount of responsibility. Yeah. Um, you always want to make sure you're being a good dad and yeah. that you're doing your thing and that you're supporting and being good. And, and then you know. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. just that the other side. That's the other side of it. So forever, you know, stressed and heavy it can feel, and how like, mm -hmm. you know, they say it ages you and it blah 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 this that and third. And I made a joke about it earlier too, or whatever. But um, you gotta take the light with the heavy, the good with the yeah. bad. I mean, that's just the way of the world, man. It is. That's how, it, you know, whatever. Every rose has its thorns. <laughs> to quote. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, you gotta laugh about it because it's to. it's extremely stressful. And it's okay to say that it's stressful. Sure. You know. Oh, I mean, you would be, um, I mean, that's a whole bunch of bullshit if you said it wasn't stressful. Of course. These people that, you know, they say like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's, it's just the light. It's the easy. And they, they're just like walking around like, oh. Yeah. Like nothing's wrong. And it's they're like. They're lying. They're lying oh, I out think of so. their teeth. I'm not going to accuse somebody of lying, but yeah. That's my perception. Of course. They're, yeah. It just, it just feels like that's disingenuous. Yeah. So let's put it that way. To be, to, just, to edit. Yeah. I'll yeah. edit and yeah. say that that's, yeah, it is what it is, man. It's gonna it challenge is what every. It is. It's gonna challenge every single corner of your emotional existence and your presence of yeah. mind. It will push you everywhere it needs to go. So you should laugh about the farts and the poops. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and everything else. And like I said, as they continue to talk and say things. And, and they're just gonna make you laugh more oh, and more, yeah. and then you start to build that relationship. And that, I mean, at first it's kind of like rapport, almost like it, or, or like whatever. Like you're you're building upon this. They're f discovering language, and they're discovering um, their will, their yeah. their willpower, mm -hmm. and how they can exert it, and how that their actions can um, create change and create change in their situation and, and they, they, they you start to see how they're manipulating things and you start to see how they're starting to form their own personality and you start to realize pretty early on that um this is a sovereign entity yeah an individual mm -hmm. 
So uh, I think that's pretty cool, too. It's yeah. cool to see that develop. I'm excited for you guys to see it happen. I'm excited, too. Yeah, it's cool. And um, I know we talked about this, you know, as friends, like, chatting the other day. But, you know, these early days can be so taxing and so hard. And I, I mean this, you know, even if it, we weren't rolling audio or whatever, uh, or whatever, it, it, it will challenge you in, in ways you never thought it would. But I'm telling you, man, as time passes by, you accumulate these experiences and they strengthen your like ability to do what it does to be a dad mm -hmm. and um and to build this relationship both between you know man woman and child like that triangulation of it like that it, it becomes a, a really dynamic experience and um it's i mean it is beautiful it is absolutely beautiful and there's so many moments where i just get lost in it and i'm just like experiencing the closest thing that I can to, you know, a blissful experience that among the times in my life where I can say I'm the closest to that, that you can be Wow! just in those moments mm -hmm. where I, where I'm present in the moment and realize that that's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in this like moment with, with Candace and Camden and we're all experience this joy together, you know, like mm -hmm. that's just treasure those moments, man. Yeah, because they're 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 out there every day. Yeah, and then the other side of it's out there every day too—the stressful mm -hmm. side and like whatever. But like the other the other things are there too. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing for people, for for dads and and anybody who's raising a kid to remember. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, yesterday, I don't know. The days all run together right now. Um, but, <laughs> that's uh, partially because of summer vacay too. Yeah to shout out to being a teacher and summer's off but um, it's highly attractive oh my gosh everybody should do it <laughs> everybody should do it but anyway so he fell asleep on me and my arm was falling asleep i had to go to the bathroom yeah and there oh was this, and there was this part of me that was like i wanted to wake him up yeah or i wanted to like get up but then i kept remembering somebody said something to me they were like one time because they're gonna, what they said to me was, there's gonna come a day when they're not gonna want anything to do with you. Oh man! And I was like, well, and that you know, because there was a point when I didn't want to be around my parents, and sure, I get it. Sure, I understand what, they, yeah, yeah. So I, it was like, it. it was like I just had to sit there and just let this moment happen. Yeah, and, man. And it was great, and it was awesome, and he he slept for longer, and I eventually went to the bathroom. The feeling <laughs> in my arm came back, but it was this really cool experience to be like. Oh, Lordy. You know, that's the good yeah, that's going to get me it? through the next day. I think so. Because this kid that I cre help create is, like, on me, living and breathing, and wants to be on me, and is totally content falling asleep on my chest. It's beautiful, man. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is. That's what being a dad at that stage is all about, man. Mm -hmm. Being being that person that he can fall asleep on. Yeah. You know? That's valuable. That's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And that yeah. goes such a long way, sub-psychologically, I think, and mm -hmm. subconsciously, for both for the bonding that you experience. And, I mean, there's evidence out there that says, like, even the chemical level, even, like, you know, that, that, that can be yeah. highly mm -hmm. impactful at a young age is having that, that proximity, like, that closeness, totally. physical closeness. Yeah. And that builds emotional closeness. That builds all – it just – it all comes together like that, but uh, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, shoot, 
And, and listen, dude, I'm, I got it far from figured out or whatever, but <laughs> I've, I've tried to work hard as an adult to yeah. be, like I said earlier, like when you're younger, you're more entitled, I guess, or you're, you're immature or, or it's all about you kind of, you know, like it's all about what you want to do and, and how you want to do it. And then, you know, when, um, you know, you become a parent, it, it, the whole program changes and I've, uh, you know, really want to be a good steward of that and understand mm -hmm. that that's an important role, but just find the bliss in that. Yeah. Fi find the magic in that and, and mm -hmm. hold on to it. I think, you know, that's the essence of being a dad. So what's been the easy, what's been the easiest thing being a dad or what's the one thing that's like has happened with Cam? It's just like, it just kind of clicks. It's a good question. Um, you know, just my love for her and yeah. my like devotion to her mm -hmm. is easy. It's easy. Um, that's always been natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, the the instant she was born, she was the most important thing that I could ever have imagined happening to me. And like, yeah. um, you know, you think about the future, and and and, and you think about. I think about you know. My dad and, and like I, I went into pretty good detail about what what how I feel about him and what he's done to me. So like I, I have this like this model in my head that I want to try to you know meet or exceed mm -hmm. or, or whatever. I mean it's not really something you can exceed, but you know what I'm saying. Like not to disrespect him or anything, but I want to be you know the best version of that that I can be. And um, that commitment, that feeling of commitment comes extremely natural to me and i've always wanted to be a dad i've really always, yeah yeah i have i've always wanted to be a dad i've always pictured myself being a father even when i was a kid little kid mm -hmm. yeah yeah i didn't really ever like plan it out or like had like a vision of what it could look like or feel like or know what it could feel like or feel or whatever mm -hmm. but you know you kind of anecdotally hear people talk about like, yeah, one day when I have kids, it's going to be this way or that way, or I'm going to do this or that. You know what I'm saying? Like, pe like you mm -hmm. hear that in conversations a lot. Yeah. And um, I was always one of the people saying that, you know? Like, because I believed that I would be, and I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. So, like, maybe that's because I admired my parents and, and my mom and dad and their mm – -hmm how they raised me and, and the things they did for me because I had such I, I had such a positive experience with it as a kid that I was just like I want to do that too I want to give somebody that too you know what I mean see I had the exact opposite feeling well, I did right. not I did not know I wanted to be I did not know I wanted to be a dad right until I think it was a month before we decided to have kids right I was specifically like, no, I, I just never had that feeling. I never had that image in my head of me being a dad. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I think maybe it was because I had worked with kids. I've been working with kids since 2000. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I've had all of these moments with the, the teenagers I mentored, mm -hmm. with the kindergartners I worked with, with these kids that I was I was getting – that feeling from it and i just never felt like ah uh, it was it was necessary sure and then it was this part That's of me of like man. yeah it was i just it just never came to me i, I remember like uh, thinking like maybe i would adopt kids cool because 
I felt like there's a lot. I mean, I had the conversation yeah, man, in my head of like, man. of like, there's, um, there's all these kids sure. that need homes. Oh yeah. So why create a new one? Well. And and it was, but see, and that was. I much see what tr- you're saying. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I know but what then, you mean. But then I, I remember I was listening. And I to, don't disagree. Oh yeah. And I don't disagree. The moment I knew that this was something I wanted to do was I was I was watching um, the show Comedians in Cars. Oh, yeah, coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sure. it was Dana and Jerry Seinfeld and Dana Carvey. Oh my god. And Dana Carvey was saying how there's millions of people that love him, millions of people that laugh at him. Yeah. Millions of people that know all of these things and, and he's touched their lives and somehow. Sure. But he said there are only two people in the world that call him dad. Man, that's awesome. And he said that's all that that, that matters. That's it. He that's goes, beautiful. And then I really like that. And I was like, huh. huh. And then and it was no, it, you know, and then I started. It's true, And man. I thought about it, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I opened my heart to it. And it was just this thing. I mean, my, you know, Carly wanted it. And yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, we're two pretty dope people. Right. I think we can make we a dope kid. pretty cool baby. And, <laughs> and as soon as I decided it, and I remember, th- I remember sitting there, I was like, okay, all right. I think we can do this, and then it all everything started clicking. Yeah, like it all started falling into place like that. And right? then even when she told me she was, and when she told me she was pregnant, it wasn't like it was like this magical, like the light shone upon us, and we were like this joyous thing. I think that's mythology. We sat in silence for probably a good fifteen minutes, <laughs> just with the yeah, gravity man. of it. And I it remember, is gravity. But then we started. It, it started clicking in me. I was like, you know, like why am I freaking out? It's not, she's not sick. No. I'm not sick. This is a baby. And it's pretty cool. Super cool. And then as time went on, I was like, this is great. This is great. This is awesome. Yeah. And then he comes out and I'm like, there well, there you are. Yeah. This is my world now. That's right. I was, and it's not that thinking, it's not that thinking that you don't want to have kids is wrong, but I was like, you were an idiot, Roy. Because this is nah, the, the greatest, this is the best thing in the world. Nah, nah, don't, don't look back and beat yourself up, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Perspectives change, man. P- people people grow and experience growth mm-hmm. in different ways, and yeah. it's, it's a perspective thing, too. And um, I think you said it the best early on in that statement where you said you opened your heart to it. And I think that's, that's profound, you mm-hmm. know? Like, how, like... What was the mechanism that opened it for you? I don't think it's one of those things you can't explain. Yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things. I all I can tell you is that when I opened my heart to it, and I was like, "Let's take a chance on this," things started clicking. Yeah, right. And do you think that was like affirmed your decision? Sure. Yeah, it did. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. And once I started like feeding into that and and, and like going with it, right? Because my whole life is, I mean, my, my path has not been a straight and narrow, but I felt What's like the once, fun in that. I know, but <laughs> once I followed that feeling, like things started to like it was like all right, right? It is like this a, works. It is this is great magnetism, yeah, or a north star, you and, know. And here compass. I am. Here I am nine months later with this little boy, and now I can't imagine my life without him. No, no, hell no, man. Yeah. Right. It's that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. It's different, and 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 you know we're both 
super early in this phase because mm-hmm. I mean you're a father for life. <laughs> you are. You're That's... a father for life. So like, what? You're 16 days in. You said 16 yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I uh, Cammy's birthday was a few days ago too. So three years in mm-hmm. for me, almost on the nose. And these are the early days, man. And like, it's amazing how the your whole purview changes. But um, I don't think. You know, it's it, it's okay for us to acknowledge that it's hard. It, it can be hard for 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 dads and for yeah. guys that that are raising kids. Um, well, we're, not to be arbitrary about the label or whatever, but who whoever and also like you know whoever's raising a kid, anybody who's raising a kid to know that things aren't necessarily playing out the way you planned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You and I have a very different path to fatherhood than a lot of people do. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people. You know, learn that they're a dad twenty years later. Never knew, never yeah. knew, and or they so, wish yeah. they could have been mm-hmm. in this position right now. Yeah. Or maybe they wish they never were in that position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just such a diverse set of experiences that, like, it's almost requires you to, especially if you made a conscious decision to enter into it, to mm-hmm. just really be just grateful and to be the best possible version of that mm-hmm. role that you can be because it is a role yeah. it, it's 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 an important role yeah for for this person for for jasper or for camden or mm-hmm. in any any dad or mom or or, or people or person who's raising a child yeah and even you you say like the people who find out 20 years later their dad there's yeah. there's you know millions of dads out there that did it just because they felt like they're supposed to be a dad yeah. It wasn't like they wanted it, and so they're like having to work through that, you know, those feelings. Sure. You know, and that's a whole other animal right there. Yeah. But, uh, for sure. I mean, life's like that, mm-hmm. you know? I would hope that anyone coping with that particular experience um, just take the. And I don't want this to sound the wrong way. And I don't want to demean or, or, or be judgmental on anybody, but the ego is a hell of a thing that yeah, we all have is. within mm-hmm. us. How we picture things to be, how we think things should be for ourselves. And I think once we can learn how to like quell that like mm-hmm. impulse, which I think it is, like the, the ego itself is like a very self-serving impulse, mm-hmm. um, and and open up to not, not so, I don't know how to describe it, man, but just keeping it in check and realizing that well you are now yeah that's what it means to be present Mm -hmm. you are now you didn't picture it for yourself or you didn't imagine that it could be that way or that you did something that you would have said was against what you wanted to do but you are now so what are you going to do yeah you have a choice to make The, the the choice is are you going to be that figure and, and, and to be, you know, a loving presence and a supportive presence and do the things that help contribute to the development of this person or not. Yeah. And there's not really an in-between. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Once again, it's a very subjective thing. Well, I mean, I know that <laughs> statement's highly subjective, but... Um, but and yeah, obviously there's yeah. a different set of a, a situation for everybody. I mean... Um, you know, it's something you can't plan for. You can mm-hmm. plan for. Yeah. A lot of people don't plan for it. A lot of people do. Yeah. 
um, it's such a nebulous. Oh man, you know I never really thought about it this way before today. I mean, you because this is like you could unpack you, this for so in so many ways. Well, let's try to know? do it a little bit right now because like <laughs> you for something that's that can be universally accessible for men or like for, mm-hmm. for whatever being a dad like if we're going to speak in the context of being yeah. a dad mm-hmm. um, or even being a parent universally um, a lot of people can do it you, uh, biologically a lot of people can't it's really easy to too. do it. right right <laughs> well yeah but <laughs> it ain't too bad the yeah. process ain't too bad no it's not um, but when, I, when, when, I'm, when I'm trying to say is that it's just it's just striking the dichotomy of those mm-hmm. those universal truths where it's like it, it, it can happen to almost anybody but we all experience it in such a different way and it's all based on our purview and how we yeah. view the world and, 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 and how we're going through it mm-hmm. timing um, God any number of things man like mm-hmm. literally you can take any aspect of the human condition and apply it to this principle and you're gonna get like an innumerable number of different situations and perspectives that can arise and yeah i mean it takes a lot to enter into that so it's almost like you're saying you can either resist it or work with it well i think i think resisting what this world provides for you is a a hell of a path i think i I think that that can cause you a lot of um undue turmoil sure stress by not accepting what's present in your life right Mm -hmm. We have to, we have to, you know, go with it, essentially, mm-hmm. to put it simply. And I don't want to sound like some kind of moral authority. No, 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 like, no, no. I don't think you're sounding like that. You know? That. I mean, this is one man's opinion. One well, man's opinion. Yeah. And I, I want to underscore that, though, since it is uh, on the record and, and on a podcast, you know? Because, like, I, I, I want to mm-hmm. acknowledge that differences in opinion are okay, too. I'm perfectly cool with someone saying this guy's a gas bag and has all got it all wrong. I'm cool well, with that. I don't care. My, it, well, I care, but I, I I accept it. Yeah. But like you've been saying and we've been saying the last hour or so, is it's it's subjective. And it is. you can't make blanket statements about something that's no. incredibly personal. No. I mean, there are general generalizations about being a father and about having a kid and those things that, that – what on some level everyone experiences sure but it it's a case by case basis well let's not mix up the subjective from the objective yeah mm-hmm. because you are one yeah mm-hmm. if you are one if yeah. you're a dad you are one yeah now where it becomes subjective is like morally mm-hmm. it becomes a moral decision personally oh yeah mm-hmm. that's where the things I've been saying were like, I may have said you got to do this and got to do that. And like, so I'm saying it anecdotally in a conversational mm-hmm. setting, but like, that's where it changes. Yeah. Because that's where the subjectivity comes in, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, yeah, sure, I'm a dad. That's a universal truth, but I can do it A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, Y, you know, yeah. everything all totally. the way through. So it's like, yeah, it's complex. It is. Humans are. And we're touching on one of the most seminal human experiences. That there is. Yeah. So, but what's know, cool, I'm not afraid to go there. Yeah. I love going there. Yeah. I, I love conversations like this. So, mm-hmm. again, thank you yeah. for bringing me into the mix. But it's cool to talk about it because, you know, I don't think we talk about it enough. Sure. Of course not. You know, so. Why do you think that is? As men, right? Oh, I think it's because 
for the last thousands of years. I mean, we're the ones that are supposed to protect and figure shit out. It's macho. Yeah. It's yeah, been, maybe. It's been this thing that the men have this role, the women have the other role. Right. And Right, yeah, I see what you're saying. I get so, it. so... Yeah. And then, you know, for a man, you know, emotions... Emotions are wrong. I don't think... Well, hold on, like... I know what you mean. Yeah, emotions are wrong. And expressing your emotional yeah. state in an honest way mm-hmm. can be you can be judged against that. Yeah. Is what you mean. And as soon you as can you can be judged yeah. against that mm-hmm. based on a societal norm. So mm-hmm. like if you come up and say, I feel this way about it or I feel that way about it, you expose yourself to judgment. Yeah. Well, fuck that. Yeah. Well, that's what you're doing with this, mm-hmm. and I respect that, because it's like let's tear it down and just have a talk. It's all good. Well, I think know? the first time I remember having any sort of emotion, like crying around other dudes, I remember I was made fun of. Yeah. And it was a so thing. So it was a negative experience. Yeah, and so what that told me in the conversation that that started with me is that don't cry, don't show emotion, don't talk about it. Hmm. You know, and and that comes from it. What it was those kids and their fathers and their fathers' fathers. Oh yeah, and their fathers' fathers. So it was just this this Jeez. cycle. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. You know, I mean, I I, I know that I you know, obviously love my dad and, mm-hmm. and have a very positive relationship with him and, and respect him and for everything he's done for me. But I always remember "buck up" was the theme yeah. throughout childhood. But he was just trying. I get what he was trying to do, but he's coming from his paradigm. And he's telling me, like, you got to be strong. You got to be stable. You got to be X, Y, Z. And I don't, I don't like, hate on that or whatever. But, you know, especially being the, the father of, of a girl, mm-hmm. too, um, that's not the message I'm going to purvey yeah. necessarily. You know what I mean? But I think you're right. I think it is machismo. Yeah. And, and, you in know, some aspect of it. And, you know, thousands of years ago, it might have served us because. It had then, to serve us because we had to, like, keep it real and keep every yeah. like there's literally well, thousands of years ago how many thousands of years ago do you want to go back but i mean you had to like literally keep the wolves off yeah the, so that was tribes. your role yeah right exactly mm-hmm. that and and that's why we're wired to be mm-hmm. well so-called tough or like or the expect yeah. the expectation yeah. mm-hmm. maybe not wiring but the expectation is mm-hmm. you gotta be tough right? yeah mm-hmm. you should be Tough. And that's gener- yeah, you're right. It's generational, man. It's but, crazy. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is is in my years is that toughness can mean so many things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because my right, you man. know, my dad was tough in a way that wasn't, you know, the machismo Arnold Schwarzenegger thinking <laughs> tough. Like my dad was tough in the fact that like when he lost his job at the book company, yeah. he bucked up. And got and found other jobs and provided for us. He found a way. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also the guy that would play music and cry because mm. it was the most beautiful thing to him. Right. So that's cool, man. I think there's a spectrum that we can look at of being quote unquote tough. Sure. You know, it's just spiritual toughness. You just handle your business the way that you need to, and yeah, you know, if there's a wolf there, then you got to handle it. But <laughs> you know, right. but that's what it right. is, you know. So. So let's segue into um, just sort of something I've been thinking about um, with regards to fatherhood. And so, like, is there anything that you would, like, do over? 
Man, that's a good question, but I don't even really know. No? I don't know, because, like I said earlier, like, I've, I've tried to be present with it and, and try to do things, you know, a certain way. I guess I guess maybe, like, in, in the moments that I've become frustrated or me and Candace have had differences of opinions and we've, you know, fought and argued over whatever it may be, you know, that I would have had more patience or mm-hmm. that I'd have more patience with... Uh, the situation and the things I would have said. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's gone perfectly, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, th- those those kind of things I do differently, and you know, anything that I would have done to imprint negativity on Camden as a dad, I definitely would want to do that over. But recognize that I can't. Yeah. Now I'm imperfect. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly comfortable with being imperfect and recognize that I can't achieve perfection. So while it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we all don't always have our best moments, but I would rather try to look at them as opportunities to become better and to be better Mm -hmm. than, you know, be revisionist about it and say, Oh, I'd change this or I'd change that. You have the power to change it by your actions. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, um, I don't know. Like, that's such a dynamic question. Yeah, and you're also we're also so early in the game. Yeah. You know. True. Um, but I think really the last thing I will wanted to talk to you about is so you work with Operation Smile, yeah. this organization organization that has has such a worldwide reach. Yeah. And then you yourself have got an opportunity to go to Ghana, Colombia. And how do you think that your job and what you do and, and that organization affects how you approach fatherhood? Man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I've had a pretty unique perspective because it just so happens that I was hired into, um, well, it's not my current role, but the role I was hired into with Operation Mom when I first came on with them, um, Candace was eight months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So we were at the very end of that journey, and I'd started this new one. And, um, you know, that that landed a pretty interesting perspective because, you know, ideally you want to provide surgery for um, cleft lip and cleft palate as early in life as possible when you're healthy as possible. Everything's got to be well-timed and sequenced in the right way to, a, to ensure the best results, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I got to experience that perspective before and then after her birth, especially with her having, a, you know, a, a – issue with the indentation that I talked about, like we went and saw a craniofacial specialist, you know, at CHKD, which is where Doc McGee practiced for a long time. And he practiced privately here too, but you know, mm-hmm. that's pretty powerful stuff. So I immediately had like an intuitive and very personal connection to access to that. So I think that how that affects me being a dad, um, it just, you know, I see the commitment and the bravery and the perseverance and that, that common thread that parents have all over the world that they want the best for their child mm-hmm. and that they deserve to have the best regardless of where they were born. It shouldn't matter where you're born um, and what socioeconomic or cultural circumstance that you were born to. Everyone deserves to have that surgery mm-hmm. when, when, as young as they possibly can. And that's what drives it. So that's really cultivated my perspective, I think. Okay. 
in a big way. And um, I haven't even said this throughout this whole thing, but uh, Candace works there too, which is oh, pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. She works in logistics there. She's a senior logistics manager. And um, so she makes sure that all the difficult things to get into um, our program sites get there and that um, everything's, you know, maintained in our warehouse. And um, it goes way beyond that because they work closely with our programs team. And it's just, just to make sure that we're delivering the best possible care that our patients deserve to have. And, and that's what it all comes down to. So we're all doing our little thing. I mean, she's wired for that kind of work, you know what I mean? But I hope that being a part of that organization and, and, and being, um, and, and, and Candace being a part of it too, um, will teach Camden, you know, important lessons about giving of herself and about just develop a perspective in her that I think that many young people don't even have, like wouldn't have access to normally. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, you know, you can't cultivate that in, in your children, regardless of your profession or whatever. But I think it is pretty special. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unique. And, um, you know, we both came into the organization from such different paths and completely independent of each other. I mean, we didn't have um, – she was there for a couple years before me, and she didn't affect my hiring there in any sort of way. I actually found the job listing on my own, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> wow. But I mean, I looked yeah. there because I knew yeah. she was there. Yeah. And But I knew my skill set matched up with this job description that I found and went for it and it ended up working out. So, like – yeah, does that answer the question well? Because like, I, I think that, you know, there's so much you can apply from it to parenthood and the perspective that it lends is pretty pretty unique and special. Well, you talked about um, giving of yourself, that you hope that she will find a way to give of herself. I hope so. You also talked about how, which this was really cool, that all over the world, it doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. The right. parents just want what's best for their kids. They do, man. They do. And that's something I take to heart in the storytelling, man. Like, I, I, I want to – look, there, there's an old paradigm, um, I think, in nonprofit work where, like, you tr- like the organization tries to make it seem like, you know, you're the hero and, and that, you know, there's – obviously there is this need, but that, that, you know, it's all about the organization and what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to bring to the table from my end of the spectrum – is that, um, you know, we're honoring the integrity and the, and the dignity of the families that we are, are serving because they trust us with the most important thing in their lives, which is their kid. And that means we owe them the best possible care that we can provide. But it also means we owe them the best possible storytelling and the best possible marketing and the best possible brand presentation that we can provide too and i'm just really honored to work alongside people that share the same commitment and um i think every day day in and day out we're working toward improving that and i definitely bring my perspective as a father into that perspective and Mm -hmm. it's part of my um, decision making every single day um just to make sure that we're honoring these stories and honoring the people that we have we're honored to serve that way you know Mm -hmm. because they are active participants in this and we're partners together yeah and and i think that's the common the common thread well and just like you you essentially are telling your story yeah and we're honoring we're honoring (laughs) your story now well thank you for that and those storytelling is powerful 
I think storytelling connects. It's the only way we connect, man. Yeah. Think and about it. You think about thousands of years ago, that's the only way, that's how history was told. I still think it's the only way yeah. we connect, man. How so. else do we connect other than, mm-hmm. you know, I think nowadays we, we consume messaging more unilaterally than mm-hmm. we have in the past, but I still think that the core of communication and the core of our connection with each other is through sharing stories or receiving stories or listening mm-hmm. to stories, and that's how we construct our reality and how we affirm the things that we believe are true and false and wrong and right good and bad yeah whatever so so is it safe so is it safe to say that we hope you know you hope camden and i hope jasper will find a way to tell their stories i hope so man i really do I, i i hope that they feel empowered to share it without you know holding back and and, and to be honest Mm -hmm. and and to but also do it in a way that's considerate and respectful and open-minded you know um that's what i try to do every day i I try to be considerate i I try to be mindful Mm -hmm. um you know opinions the, the the nature of opinions i mean they're all worthy of being stated but when you're in a position of presenting your story publicly there's a different uh, mm-hmm. set of responsibility for doing that. So um, I hope that they can share their stories in a way that's constructive and wise and that contributes to people's um, betterment. Man, that's I like that. Thanks. I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Cool, man. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. You know, and, and I thank you for doing this. You know, as always, you are letting this into your life. And allowing me to project that to the world and I don't take that lightly and uh, thank you for sharing that no worries it's it's an awesome experience it's uh, you have a great story to tell thank and you. I know that uh, Camden will have a great story to tell as well <laughs> so, and uh, so will Jasper and so do you man yeah um, I try to interview you a little bit in there, so <laughs> not yet to extract no 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 it's all it's all about you um, <laughs> oh man but yeah, so thank you for being here. Uh, I guess you know, shout out to Operation Smile, Jetty Apparel, yeah. Surf and Adventure Company. Um, shout out to Ocean Park, Virginia Beach. <laughs> it's a yeah. dope place to live. Um, <laughs> and yeah, guys, uh, go forth, be awesome. Yeah, man. And uh, peace and love. Yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Bye bye.